welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey with you on this Tuesday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Tuesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. We will have the college football playoff rankings revealed in two hours or so from now as we have some college basketball. In the meantime, Duke and Michigan State getting set to tip off here. Uh, So once that game concludes, then we will be able to get the rankings from the committee as we have just two regular season uh, weeks left and conference title game weekend. So we are rapidly right now approaching the final rankings of the season is coming close and there's fewer and fewer opportunities for teams to make final statements here to be one of the four teams in the last year of the four-year college football playoff. So with that, with just three weeks left, if you count conference championship weekend, which I think right now with how college football, this race is shaping up, I think you're going to have to be bare minimum playing on conference championship weekend to have any hope of being one of the four teams competing for a national title. With just two or three weeks left in the season, I want to give you the five teams right now I believe in that can win a national title this season, but give them to you in order. That's right. My belief level, my confidence level, not only in these five teams, but how I would rank them from least likely to win the title all the way up to most likely to be hoisting the college football playoff trophy this season. As you know, we don't, we can't talk college football without a little college football music. Still the best theme in all of sports. The college football, I guess, SEC, soon to be, uh, technically is this year, Big Ten on CBS theme music. Okay, so again, five teams I think can win a national title this year. That is it. I'll give you those five teams in the order of confidence from least to greatest of them winning a national title this season. Number five. Alabama, for me, is number five. And I'll be honest, even two weeks ago, I didn't think they'd be on this list, period. I give Nick Saban and Jalen Milrow so much credit for the development and how much better they have gotten this season, where I don't think this is a very talented Alabama team. This is nowhere near. Like, I would argue right now, this is probably the least talented, least intimidating Alabama team Nick Saban has had since 2009. Even they won the national title, so maybe 08 would be the, the last time that they are this least intimidating going into a year. But even with that said, here they are on my list with three weeks to go of a team I truly believe in can win a national title in part because Nick Saban continues to do what no coach in college football could do better than him. And that is develop talent and have them play at a championship level when it matters most. Jalen Milrow has come a long way in his um, early season struggles like we saw against Texas, and he is now a quarterback playing with confidence. He is decisive. He's a lot more accurate. His receivers are making plays. That defense has stepped up really nicely and also has given them a chance as well. This team is is really, uh, really well-rounded. Obviously, very well coached, but I really believe they have a real chance here to beat Georgia. I would still pick Georgia right now to win that uh, SEC championship game matchup. But again, I have to, I have a lot of respect for Alabama. And I 
do think they can make it a game, if they beat Georgia, there's no reason why they can't beat anyone else right now in the mix for a national title. So give a lot of credit to Alabama. They not only are a team that has really improved throughout the year, they are a team that did not think this would be possible, but here we are, a team that is in the national championship hunt here at number five. Number four. It's Washington. Washington is not higher on my list because their defense does scare me. The defense is USC light, USC heavy. I don't really know how you describe it, right? They're better than USC, but it's kind of the same problems um, that we've seen the Trojans have under Lincoln Riley. Great offense, horrible defense. Now, again, the Huskies have been nowhere near the level of bad the USC's defense has been. But it's also not that much better. Again, we know Michael Penix Jr., tremendous, tremendous quarterback. One of the best quarterbacks right now in all of college football. The receiving room, even with some injuries, is still deep and very talented. They've discovered a run game. They are tough on the offensive line. Kalen DeBoer is a tremendous head coach. That defense is just good enough to make enough plays to win the game. That's it. You're not going to win a game relying on your defense. You're not going to go into a matchup saying, oh, we're going to shut down their opposing offense. You just hope to get enough stops to win. And so that, to me, is what scares me. I mean, to their credit, the Huskies did beat Oregon, so that shows you their defense is at least good enough to win games, get to lead opponents. But kind of how they progressed still after that game, give my cards away here in a little bit of who I think would win in a rematch. But let's just say I'm not picking Washington here to um, have their defense stop anyone anytime soon. So I still think Washington because their offense is, is good enough. Still one of the best in the country. Well, they still, to me, are a team that can absolutely win a national title this year. They're just fourth because I cannot trust that defense. Number three. It's Michigan. It is absolutely Michigan Wolverines. Look, cheating aside, and you, I have spent many shows here, many hours on CBS Sports Radio getting to my personal thoughts on if Michigan should be eligible for the college football playoff or not. As we're sitting here, they're eligible. So they're absolutely in the conversation, and they are damn good. Cheating or not, they are a damn good team. That defense is really sound. They are tough on the pass, tough on the run. They are big. They are fast. They are physical. They are extremely talented. The offense, the Penn State game was really interesting because they were a team that has not been able to run the ball at the elite level. We've seen Michigan be able to run the ball the last two years. The run game has definitely fallen off. Partly because J.J. McCarthy has had more put on his plate this year and he's delivered. But it's also you look back at that Penn State game against a really elite defense. I mean, forget about the offense, but elite defense that uh, Nittany Lions have. And Michigan closed out that game, running the ball 32 straight times. Now, in one sense, I give Sharon Moore credit, the acting head coach and offensive coordinator, for the fact that he saw the run game come back to life against Penn State. And say, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Plus, all we could afford here to do is give Penn State a turnover and give this bad offense some life here. He knew, and rightfully so, this Penn State offense is not very good, so we don't have to really push it if we don't have to. But it's still interesting, nonetheless, that either J.J. McCarthy was not trusted or the receivers were not trusted to win their matchups here um, and make plays, which is part of the reason why you call 32 straight run plays. So that's something to, to watch going into the Ohio State game in a few weeks. Um, and if Michigan makes a college football playoff, whoever they match up against, 
they go against a good defense, which Georgia's got a really good defense. Oregon's got a really good defense. Again, Ohio State's a really damn good defense. Alabama's defense is really tough as well. How does Michigan approach that game? Because they have shown to be, to let J.J. McCarthy cook, if you will. In the first league defense they play, they really put handcuffs on them and play not to lose. Michigan, that's part of the reason why they're not higher on my list. But they are still absolutely a national title. They are number three in terms of teams that can win a national title this year. Number two. The Georgia Bulldogs. Look, I've been very hard on Georgia. I have cast my doubts many a time through the first, let's say, eight weeks of the season. But to Georgia's credit, they have shut me up. They have won some big games. And they are rounding into form at the most important time of the season. November. And it's crazy to say, but this is playing out to be the absolute truth. The Brock Bowers injury is the best thing that happened to this offense. Carson Beck, I think, really gained confidence. This offense grew as well. And now with him returning against Ole Miss on Saturday, and just you saw the absolute dismantling of the Rebels. This Georgia offense now is now something to be reckoned with and something to be worried about. I thought last year an underrated part of their success was Stetson Bennett. And the fact that the run and the pass game was a big threat for Georgia's offense. And for the first six, seven weeks, we didn't see that same explosiveness and or threat from Carson Beck the way Stetson Bennett really held defenses um, or kept them honest. And now you're seeing, again, really coinciding with a Brock Bowers injury, Beck getting more confidence, that passing game opening up. Now all of a sudden, Georgia is much more balanced, run pass. That defense obviously is really good. And now they're just starting to really rare in a form where nice went over Missouri two weeks ago, just ripped apart. No surprise. Uh, Ole Miss. They're going to run the table the rest of the, the regular season. I think again, if they meet Alabama in the SEC title game, I think Georgia will win and go to the college football playoff 13 and 0. they are a team that boy, oh boy, I had my doubts early on about them. If they were truly as good as the last two years. And I thought really we're getting more credit than they deserved because of what they did two years ago and last year versus how they're actually playing this year. But to their credit, they are number two on my list in terms of teams that can win a national title. They are the second most likely team, I think, to win the national title this year. And they've earned it. They've absolutely earned it with how they are playing, how they're rounding in a form, and peaking at the right time. But they're not my pick. They are not the team right now I have circled as my national champion this season because at number one. Number one. The Oregon Ducks. They are legit. They, I think, check every single box. You need a national title winning team to check. Are they balanced on offense? Yes. They are in terms of just raw yards here. Top five in passing yards. Top 15 rushing offense. And the number one scoring offense in the country. So they put up points better than anybody else. 46 points per game. They're light up the scoreboard. They could do so in various ways. Passing the ball with their experienced quarterback in Bo Nix. Running the ball down your throat. Do they have a physical offense line that can dominate and impose their will? Check. Yes, they do. Do they have a physical defense? Check. Yes, they do. Top 15 in scoring defense. Are they fast? Check. Tough? Uh, check. Physical? Check. Smart? Check. Did I say fast? If not, fast, check. They got it all. They are the perfect hybrid for how you want a football team to be built here in 2023. 
They have a defensive-minded head coach in Dan Lanning who is super aggressive on offense. Again, we, we spent the entire first hour of the show we were talking about Sean McDermott as a defensive-minded head coach being conservative, too conservative for this Bills offense and not matching right now um, the aggressive nature by Josh Allen. Dan Lanning is the exception where he's a defensive-minded head coach that is super aggressive on offense, wants to go for it on fourth down, wants to go for a two all the time. doesn't matter where the ball is. He doesn't care about putting his defense in a bad spot. He knows and he has confidence they'll come through. He's a player's coach. He's aggressive. I think he's smart. I think he sets the tone perfectly. He, coming off of that Kirby Smart tree from Georgia, not only in winning a national title, knows what it takes to be an elite program, knows what it takes to finally break through. Even though he did it as a as a coordinator, not a head coach, I think he has the perfect experience level to get Oregon ready to play and get them ready to win a national title this year. They are my pick. The Ducks are my pick. Bo Nix is legit. I think he's winning the Heisman Trophy. They are running the table the rest of the year. They are going to the Pac-12 title game, beating Washington, making the college football playoff. I don't think there's a team in the land that is beating Oregon again this season. They will be, when it's all said and done, doing a quick math in my head here, 14-1, and one, and will be your national champions of college football this year. They have checked every single box. You need a college football playoff contending team and a college football playoff winning team to check. So those are those are the five teams I think can win a national title this year in order of, uh, of my confidence from least to greatest. Alabama 5, Washington 4, Michigan 3, Georgia 2, and at number one, my pick to win the national title this year, the Oregon Ducks. Before we wrap up here, I want to give you two teams. Two teams that I did not have in my top five. Two teams I did not pick or I do not think can win a national title this year. One is Ohio State. I don't trust Kyle McCord. I don't trust their quarterback in a big game to put it on his shoulders to win. I Look, I get it. He's made some nice throws against Notre Dame, made some nice throws against Penn State to win both of those close games um, earlier this season. Can I trust him to make some big throws against Michigan? Can I think he can go toe-to-toe with Bo Nix and outsling him? I can't. Can he put up... 20 points against Georgia? I don't think so. Can he outscore Michigan? I don't think so. He's had some nice wins earlier this year. But when it comes to winning a championship, I think you're going to have to score some points. And I don't think... Because again, your Michigan's offense is better than both Penn State and Notre Dame's. Anyone you play in the college football playoff offense is going to be better than both those teams I just said before. So even though you won two lower-scoring tight games on the last drive... Um, against Notre Dame and late in the fourth quarter, you had that big touchdown drive to kind of put the game against Penn State away, both led by Kyle McCord. I don't think, like, you're going to score points. I don't really trust right now McCord to be consistent enough to get Ohio State in that spot uh, in that spot against a good defense. They could score 24, 27, 30 points to win against an elite team and against elite defense. That's one reason why, well, that's the only reason why Ohio State for me is out and I don't think they can win a national title this year. The other team is Florida State. And the more you watch them, the more fraudulent they look. I don't see how you could be bought into right now the Seminoles as being a legit national title threat. They're barely hanging on against bad teams like Miami, who's starting a freshman quarterback on the road. 
and bringing the backup in Tyler Van Dyke, who's an interception machine, and still holding on for dear life. Florida State, each and every week, continues to get exposed. They may go 13 0 because they play in a bad ACC, but they are nowhere near the elites right now at the top of Oregon, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Alabama. Nowhere near. Nowhere near that level you need to be at in order to win a national title. The F in Florida State stands for fraud. I guess for the F in FSU, I should say, stands for fraud. Zero in the win, uh, zero in the loss column. That does not mean, though, they are an elite team. They have not played like it. They play too many close games. They are not a team you can actually believe in to beat elite teams this season. That's why they are out and not on my, uh, not one of the five teams I think can win a national title this season. So 855 212 4227. 855 212 4227. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Oregon right now is my pick. To the national title with three games left in this college football season, regular season, that is, if you want to include the, the Big Ten, you know, or I should say the conference championship games as part of that regular season play, if you will. Who is your pick right now to win the national title? Which team do you have the most faith in? Will be hoisting that championship trophy in just about two months from now? 855. 855- 212-4227-855-212-4227. Again, on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return, I really want to hit on Texas A&M firing Jimbo Fisher and where they go from here. I have two names that if that would be home run hires if A&M does one thing. I'll tell you what that is when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey with you here on CBS Sports Radio. If you like offense, this marquee college basketball matchup between Duke and Michigan State ain't for you. 11, 12 minutes ago, it is 9-9. Turnover fest. Brickfest. Start early in the season, right? You know, this is the third game for Duke, third game for Michigan State. So still trying to get, you know, some of the kinks out here and still trying to get your uh your offense going. Maybe get the nerves out there playing um at the United Center in Chicago. So maybe, you know, a little nervous. A lot of people in the building here. But it has been uh, a rough start right now. If you like points, if you have the over in this game, you are uh, you're sweating it. You are sweating it nine nine right now. Duke, Michigan State. This is part of the reason why I love college sports, both college basketball and college football. I don't know about you. I love the sloppiness. Like, I've gotten to a point with the NFL and the NBA where it almost feels too predictable in a way because the players are so good that, like, either defensively, it's like, oh, well, you lock them up, you have no chance. Or offensively, like, you give them, oh, you give them even just an ounce of a window that quarterback has completed in the pass or the, the jump shooter's hitting the shot. I like the variance when you're looking and watching and relying on 18 to 22-year-old kids where even if they're wide open, it's no guarantee they're making the shot or completing the pass. I like the fact that just zany, unpredictable play happens in college sports. It drives you crazy as a fan. Don't get me wrong. But I think also adds the entertainment value as well. And that's why for me, I just can't get enough 
of college sports, basketball, football, just because that unpredictability is just truly something you never get in the pros. I still think makes it fun and also just ha- leaves you sitting there in amazement, bewilderment, both good and bad um, when it comes to college here athletics, especially when it comes to your college team. Speaking of college athletics, it's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Texas A&M, I have a way they can nail, nail their next coaching, uh, head coaching hire. They need humility. That's it. That's all A&M needs to get this hire right. Humility. If they view themselves more like Kentucky football versus Alabama football, they are getting their next hire right. Because they have to tell themselves and understand Texas A&M right now in this current college football landscape is not a premier job. Like if they view themselves like they did with Jimbo Fisher as one piece away, we're going to hire the head coach and we're going to be, you know, on a upward trajectory towards winning a a national title in the next few years here, you're going to hire the next Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo 2.0. If you view yourselves as, oh boy, we need, you know, we need multiple pieces here. Head coach is important, but we also need a few other pieces to get us going here in the right direction. You're going to hire the right head coach because AM needs a builder. They don't need a superstar. They don't need a, a national championship winning head coach right now. They need a builder, which is why if I'm AM, the two names I am calling Mark Stoops of Kentucky. Lance Leipold of Kansas. Both are the masters of how to do more with less, and that's what I think you're going to need to do at AM. Again, it goes back to how you view yourself. Why I say AM needs to view themselves as Kentucky compared to Alabama is look at the obstacles you realistically have to overcome as the next head coach of Texas AM. You have three of them you got to overcome here. You're in a tough conference, you're in competitive recruiting grounds, and you're dealing with an unrealistic fan base. All three, I think, work negative to you going forward here. And that's why, for me, if you hire a builder, someone who is used to overcoming obstacles and is used to getting the most out of what they have, that's going to be the biggest home run and the best hire A&M can make. Again, you're going to the SEC, right? A&M's been there for a while. But it's not just your normal SEC you got to worry about. Now you got OU and Texas coming to the conference, which I think just further pits A&M down the pecking order. Like, especially now that they're going to ditch divisions and just going to be kind of, you know, one massive 16-team conference where the top two are going to the SEC title game. I mean, we're talking about A&M right in the smack dab in the middle, and that's like... To start as a positive, you're in the middle of the conference. Like, bare minimum next year. I think these programs are definitely better right now than Texas A&M. Alabama, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Tennessee. I think off the bat, really not arguable. Those seven teams are all in a better spot and all better positioned right now to be closer to a championship than the Aggies are. So we're talking about whoever the next head coach is. You are eighth 
in your conference at best? At best. So even though the playoff is expanding to 12 teams next year, if you're talking about the eighth best team in your conference, forget it. You are nowhere close to college football playoff uh, contention. And the reality is, A&M's path to the playoff every year is tougher than Kansas's path right now to the playoff in the Big 12. So coaches aren't dumb. It's going to take a lot to get A&M here to the top of the conference and maybe even within the top three or four in order for them to make a college football playoff running and get a berth. That ain't easy. When you, we talk about jumping, again, you need to jump someone of Alabama, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, at least two of those schools, good luck. Good luck. And the thing, too, is you're going to be doing so, I think, lesser talent. Like, don't get used to that 2022 historically great recruiting class that a and brought in because that was the anomaly, not the norm. Like, Jimbo got recruits there, but even look, you go back to that, according to recruiting rankings, right, the highest rated class they've ever seen, that 2022 Texas A&M recruiting class. Well, what would they do the very next year to capitalize off of that? Drop down to 15th. That's where I think you're going to be looking at AM most years going forward here. And that's why I think I look at Leipold and Stoops as the two biggest names that AM should pursue because you're not going to be having the most talented roster in the country every year. Again, that 2022 historically great recruiting class is an anomaly, especially when you look at, again, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. We talk about, you know, in a great recruiting ground, and that's been talked about as a positive as to why this AM job is so great. Well, I view it as a negative. Sure, you got talent in your backyard. Can you keep it? Because right now you got Texas coming in and getting recruits. Oklahoma coming in and getting recruits. And by the way, now you can't even use that. Oh, we're in the SEC. They're not. They're in your same conference. So even though that they are better programs with more historical success, you can now even use really the only advantage you had, which was, hey, we're in a better conference. Come play in the SEC. They're playing a, They're playing Big 12 ball. Who cares about them? We're, we're playing big boy football here. Well, you lost that recruiting edge over your two biggest rivals. Um, in the Longhorns and the Sooners. Oh, yeah, by the way, LSU is right in your backyard as well. They'll out-recruit you. So the four, like, if you talk about, the like, sure, you're in a geographically great recruiting footprint, but the three teams closest to you all have a recruiting edge over you. If you're talking about the best, you know, at fourth best option right now locally, let alone recruiting to become a national, you know, but become more national anyway. So teams are coming into Texas all the time from Oregon, from Ohio State, from Michigan, and grabbing players left and right. So it's not that, again, big of an advantage you have, which is, again, why you need a builder, a coach who's used to doing more with less, again, like a Stoops or like a Leipold, to win with a roster that's not going to be, each and every week, the most talented roster when they play their opponent. They need a coach that can maximize talent. Jimbo got the talent there. I mean, forget about maximizing. He couldn't even just barely get the minimum out of the talent he had on his team. Those two coaches fit that bill. And lastly, AM is AM thinks that they are near the top, a title contender, a historically rich program. They're not. They're nowhere close. They have two top five finishes the last 67 years of their football program being in existence. 
Their last national title hell was 1939. They're not this historically rich program. They don't have a lineage of success they can rely on. They want to be successful. They spend money like they, you know, win a lot of rings. They don't win a lot, though. And that's why I think bringing in a coach like Mark Stoops from Kentucky or Lance Leipold from Kansas, who right now are having success at two historically bad football programs, is the right move. They know how to win at places that haven't had a lot of success. That is what A&M is. You're not bringing this team back to the glory days. There are no glory days. And the glory days that were had, no one's alive to remember them. you got to act and, and look at this program like there is really no history to rely on. And when you look again at what Leipold has done at Kansas, who no one ever thought in our lifetime they would be a competitive program, yet here they are at 7-3 and three with a backup quarterback playing most of the year, being a contender in the Big 12, beating Oklahoma for the first time in forever, and beating a top-10 team for the first time in forever. Look at Mark Stoops, who's been is competitive in the SEC. Both of those guys, in Leipold, by the way, and Stoops, at basketball schools, right? So even though their success with football, it's not like the football program is first and foremost on that school's radar. If they are able and have had success at places that have not had a lot of historical success, and where football's not a priority, I think they'd have a lot of success going to A&M where there's not a lot of history, but where they care a lot and every resource is going to be there for you. If A&M views themselves more like Kentucky football versus thinking they are like Alabama, they're going to make the absolute home run higher. That's why for me, the two biggest names on the list, the first two names I am calling if I am the Aggies, it's Mark Stoops at Kentucky. It's Lance Leipold at Kansas. They need builders. They need coaches who are used to doing more with less because that's the reality right now of the A&M job. That's how you're going to succeed. You can't go star hunting. You can't look to, you know, get a big fish like Lane Kiffin in because what you're going to do is just hire the next Jimbo Fisher. Sell all the sparkle now and have no actual bite when it comes to winning games consistently. That, to me, is my answer on how A&M gets back on track. Speaking of which... I thought it was very interesting, the sound Dan Lanning had when he was asked about the A&M head coaching job. I want to play that for you next. And talking about why you should not go star chasing, forget about A&M getting shut out. There should be no reason why any coach worth his salt, star-wise that is, should have interest in A&M. I'll tell you why when we do return, Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. It's Ryan Hickey. I am back with you right here on CBS Sports Radio, hoping to be back with you tomorrow as well. That is what's on the schedule. I do have an early dentist appointment tomorrow morning that I am uh, going to, and I like to think I take good care of my teeth. I mean, I feel like anyone that goes to the dentist thinks they do a good job brushing teeth, and you just go hear the dentist just rip your teeth out, just jamming your gums, blood everywhere, your mouth hurts. And then you find out you're never doing as, as good of a job as you think you're doing. Um, so I hope to be back here tomorrow. Usually how it's gone where it's, I mean, I don't have any cavities, which is good. But usually my mouth is always very sore. My gums are always aching. Um, so hopefully my mouth is in better shape this time, or in good shape, we'll say, this time tomorrow. So I can be back with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. As long as the dentist does not get his revenge I will be back with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Looking forward to that. Well, talking to you. Not looking forward to going to the dentist, that's for sure. 
Um, okay, so we just were talking about Texas A&M and their head coach opening. I think if you're A&M, the two names you have to have at the top of your list, it's not sexy, but it gets you back on the winning track for the first time in a long time. It's Mark Stoops at Kentucky. It's Lance Leipold at Kansas. Because A&M is far further away, or is very further, far away, from actual national title contention than they believe. And that's part of the reason why I don't think there's going to be a lot of big-name coaches interested in this job. One of the reasons is, is because the changes we are seeing in college football make it easier to win. Like NIL, transfer portal, and soon to be the expanded college football playoff, I think are all three new additions to the sport within the last few years that have not only created more parity, but I think give more coaches reasons to believe that where they are right now, they can compete and win a national title with, which has not been the case for a large majority right of this sports history. You've had the haves and you have the have-nots. It was very hard to be a have. Maybe once in a while you get things to you know break through. But for the most part, if you wanted to win a national title, you had to be, let's say, I don't know, one of 10 programs roughly, in the country. And a lot of other jobs were stepping stone jobs. The reality is now there are way more programs in a spot to compete for a national title than ever before. And I think that means it's a lot easier to stay at your current job instead of bouncing around and trying to get to the top. Like Dan Lanning... Ed Oregon, for example, has been a name that's been thrown around here as a, a name high on the Aggies list. It should be. He's done a great job at Oregon. There is no reason why Lanning should leave Oregon for AM. The Ducks are a better job right now than the Aggies. That's a fact. Again, you heard just before earlier this, this hour. They're my pick to win the national title this year. Oregon's in a great spot not only this year, but going forward. Why would Dan Lanning leave what he's built? right now, early on, to go to what is a rebuild in College Station. I don't think it makes any sense. And that's the reason why I believe when he was asked about this yesterday um, by Oregon Media, is he going to leave? Is he considering, you know, how does he react to the rumors of his name being floated around the Texas A&M head coach opening? I know a lot of coaches lie, right? He's only going to say what he's about to say. But I'll tell you this, I believe him. If you haven't heard it, here's Dan Lanning asked about his interest in the A&M head coaching job. Yeah, we talk about outside noise a lot in our program. Um, I guess the reality here is, one, our, our, my name and uh, our program would never be in the, a topic of conversation for another school if, if we didn't have something here that everybody else wanted. And the reason we have something here uh, that everybody else wants, that's because of what our players, our coaches, the support that exists here at Oregon have created. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one uh, everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. Um, I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish uh, here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite um, here at Oregon. No real ambiguity there, right? I don't see myself coaching anywhere else. I got a lot of unfinished business here I want to accomplish at Oregon. Again, a lot. that's the only thing coaches are going to say where you never – Lincoln Riley, when he was leaving Oklahoma to go to USC, didn't say, yeah, USC is a good option. I think I'm going to look into it. 
Obviously, no coach is going to say that. They're just going to let you know by basically breaking news. Up, oh, they're gone. See you later. So I get in one sense you could say, well, what else is he going to say? But I believe him in part because the facts he's saying are true. Again, Oregon is a better job right now than A&M. You're going to be in a Power 2 conference next year in the Big Ten. You have a national recruiting base. You have unlimited funding from Nike backed by Phil Knight. I don't care that Oregon was used as a stepping stone job for both Willie Taggart when he left to go to Florida State after a year and Mario Cristobal when he left to go to Miami. I think those guys are both kicking themselves right now and saying, ah, I never should have left. Oregon is a premier job in the country, but so is Washington with Kalen DeBoer, another guy whose name has been kind of floated around there and is going to be on lists, head coaching lists um, of jobs that open up as well. But it's like those are two examples of now you can win national titles at Oregon and Washington. Washington has won a national title before. Oregon has never. But it's not like there's a a rich history at those two programs where you're like, oh, of course you would stay. I don't think it's ever really been a no-brainer to stay there and not leave. But now it is. Because of Transfer Portal, and both those coaches in DeBoer and Lanning have used it perfectly at Oregon and Washington – getting veteran quarterbacks from the portal and now, right now, riding them to a lot of success. NIL, expanded college football play, even though you're going to a gauntlet of a conference in the Big Ten right now, you can absolutely expect to be competing for a national title each and every year. But even I would, because I think maybe those are obvious, and that's, again, they're having two great years, Washington and Oregon. Oh, why would you leave? Right now, you're a top five team, top six team. I get it. But even I would go as far as to say right now, and I said his name before, Lance Leipold to Kansas. If you look at Kansas, for the first time in the history of college football, you could actually talk a coach into staying at Kansas over Texas A&M or other big-time jobs because there is a path for the first time ever for the Kansas Jayhawks to be consistent college football playoff contenders. Your two biggest threats, Oklahoma, Texas, leaving the conference. Now, Utah's coming in, and they are, I think, right now the team to beat in the Big 12 next year. But the Jayhawks going forward, starting next year, are on a short list of three or four teams every year that are going to be in contention to win the Big 12. And with the college football playoff expanding, could the Big 12 get two teams in some years? Absolutely. So if you're Lance Leipold, you can convince yourself now as you're starting to see donations pour in and a emphasis on supporting the football team, you could absolutely see a path for you at Kansas in the Big 12 to be more competitive on a consistent basis and have a better chance to win a national title with the Jayhawks versus going to the SEC, joining AM, who again right now is the middle of the class in the conference, who have a lot of challenges to overcome. Sure. You could get a big-time contract, and when you get fired, you could be set up generationally for the rest of your life and have your kids, you know, not have to worry about making uh, making a dollar the rest of their lives. But coaches don't work like that. Coaches don't take jobs for the money. It's more of an ego thing, pride thing. For the first time ever, the changes that a lot of people are upset about, NIL, transfer portal, college football playoff expansion, now make not only more teams competitive, help promote parity, 
but also then convince coaches to stay at their current schools and limit the jumping because they see legitimate paths to competitiveness that were not there before. And now some of these jobs like A&M, which I think used to be attractive, used to be one of those jobs where it's like, oh my God, I got, I got to go. That's one more pack up, honey. We're going to college station. Now is no longer the case because of these changes in college football, because now more programs than ever have realistic paths to competition. All right, when we return here on CBS Sports Radio, CJ Stroud is my MVP of the NFL. I'll explain why when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you on this Tuesday, right here, CBS Sports Radio. 